ready to get and stay fit? Welcome to Fit, Positive, Confident with Dr. Gordon, where the focus is on your whole person health, physical, mental, and spiritual. Because your health can be affected by so many factors, Dr. G covers a range of topics in this program, from eating healthy to world-shaping events. So relax and enjoy the show. All right, folks, uh, back in the studio, this is uh, Gordon, and today my guest is one and only Honorable Dr. Richard Jensen. Welcome to the show, sir. Oh, brother, you just keep getting more and more off the rails with that uh, well, doctor, yeah. one and only Anik. I don't know too many doctors of philosophy, you know. Well, that's because it's a totally useless degree. Well, you know, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I, I took a couple of classes of philosophy, and it was interesting from a historical perspective, you know, to learn about <clears throat> how people were thinking in advanced, really, terms back in the, you know, three, four, five, eight hundred years ago. In other words, I came to yeah. the conclusion there was a lot of smart people in this, living on this planet, you know, over the centuries. Yeah, I say it's a useless discipline, but I'm being mostly tongue-in-cheek. Um, it's it's hard to be a professional <laughs> philosopher because those are mostly academic jobs. Um, but that's primarily because in the United States of America, we, we pretty much denigrate philosophy now. We don't care about it. Um, we don't see its relevance. You know, I would often have students ask me during an intro to philosophy class, well, what has philosophy ever produced? You know, I mean, we can see what science produces. We can see what all kinds of other disciplines produce. But what has philosophy ever produced? And I say, well, the United States of America. Uh, science didn't produce that. Sociology didn't produce that. Um, nothing mechanical produced that. Uh, engineering didn't produce that. Uh, and, and there are examples everywhere you look. Uh, so then I get into a thought experiment with them about uh, justice, for example. And I couldn't do this today. I couldn't teach today because my examples would just be too, too outrageous to people. But I would look around the class and I'd see that there were maybe two thirds women in there. So I would say, um, so I look around and I see that the class is largely women. And um, that's gonna be a problem because uh, just like with three-dimensional rotation, which, by the way, got taken out of IQ tests, uh, it turns out that most women don't do three-dimensional rotation well, uh, which is why it was taken out of IQ tests, because obviously women are intelligent, but uh, they don't do three-dimensional rotation well. And in my experience, women don't do philosophy well. And so, <laughs> you know, I think all the women here in this class are going to have a really hard time, and I, I doubt you're going to get a very high grade. And, and immediately, you've got people just infuriated, you know. <laughs> the boyfriends are always rising to the challenge, right? It's all, that's not fair. Really? How, how is that not fair? Well, you're just projecting your bias. Well, that's your opinion, but I have a lot more experience in this than you do, and I've it's not a bias. It's, it's an observation. And, you know, you just get into this popcorn discussion and everyone's talking about justice and fairness and blah, blah, blah. And I'm saying, well, you guys are bandying these words about like, you know what they mean, but I don't think you have any clue what they mean. Um, I guess we should perform some scientific experiments and try to figure out what fairness is. Anyone have any ideas about how we would perform these experiments? 
And of course, it's just deer in the headlights, right? Well, before long, they start tumbling to the fact that I got them, you know, that they're using terms. The terms matter. And yet only in the discipline of philosophy are you going to get to the bottom of what those terms mean. So, yeah, the whole game is to try to make it appear relevant to people because it really is relevant. Sadly, I think most philosophy is very badly taught. Well, philosophy really is about thinking, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, philosophy is about not thinking like psychologists think about thinking, but thinking in terms of what is the nature of thought itself? What is it to even think? Hmm. Like at all, forget about the content of your thought, forget about whether what you believe coheres with objective reality, whatever that is. Um, but it's really about what thinking is in its essence. I know that from our conversations, you know, you are always very specific about or picky about what what words really mean. Yeah, yeah, because clarity of thought and clarity of expression is uh, sort of central to the discipline of philosophy. And in most disciplines, what you find is that there is a lot of fluff regarding uh, rigorous meaning and, and crisp definitions of terms. We use terms that we really don't understand what they mean. Right. <clears throat> yeah, like all the time people are crying out, oh, that's not fair. Really? Tell me all about fair. Tell me about this vast encyclopedic knowledge that you have of fairness. Or rights. I have a right to. Really? Really? Tell me all about rights. So you want to go down to the definition. What exactly are you saying when you use a word like that? When somebody... Yeah, talking, and it's... Right. Right, right. But but it's even deeper than a definition because, you know, most people are going to turn, they're going to turn to Webster's or some other, or some other uh, dictionary. And the problem with that approach is that uh, what those volumes are is describing the meaning of a term as it's commonly thought, mm -hmm. not what it, and, and the problem is that People can commonly think a thing incorrectly. Mm. And so, you know, justice, fairness, some of these abstract terms, they get defined in the dictionary incorrectly because a dictionary is telling you about common usage, not what it actually defensively, rigorously, deductively means. But the problem is more layered than that because it's not just about meaning. It's about reference. Um, so I'll give you a quick example. Let, let's say that I say uh, my shirt is red. Mm -hmm. And you would look at my shirt in the video camera and you would say, yeah, looks looks red to me. Maybe kind of maroon, but yeah, definitely on the red scale. And I say, okay, well, tell me all about red. And I don't want to hear the meaning. I want to hear the referent. Tell me what red picks out in the world. What, what does that term point to in the world? And if you're scientifically minded, you're going to tell me about things like wavelengths of light and the neural cascade for, you know, your visual sensation and blah, 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 photons, refractivity, you know, on and on and on. But 
you're not yet really picking out red, but that that's a whole other question because when you are talking about wavelengths of light and so forth, you're talking about facts about the world, but what red is to me is somehow beyond what those external facts are. Like all those external facts might produce red in me, but for a colorblind person, they're not going to produce red. I have work. a friend who's red green. Yeah. He sees gray shades. Um, and so he doesn't see red in anything like the sense I see it. So there's something over and above uh, what redness is. Um, but anyway, my point is that you can give an account. But now I say, tell me all about what right is. What does the word right pick out in the world? Right. Don't just tell me about, you know, well, it's it's morally um, advantageous or most people prefer that or. But no, no, I, I want you to tell me what right picks out in the world. And see, most people just fall flat instantly. So we use this term. Well, that's right or that's wrong. But we're using those terms in a vacuum. Uh, we think that we're all sharing some core fundamental meaning, but we actually don't. Uh, and one of the biggest problems we have in the United States society today is that we're using terms like we all agree on what they mean and what they pick out in the world. And in fact, we're just all over the place. And then we group ourselves into the groups that basically use that same particular term in a similar way. Yeah, yeah. We, we think, <laughs> and there's the irony, because we think we're grouping ourselves up along you know, these, these definitional lines, when in fact, there is vast variation even in within our own little echo chamber. So you believe that you're with a group that believes exactly like you do, but there is huge differences between everybody's thinking, even in that same group. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, exactly. I'm talking about the different political groups and, you know, religious and moral and whatnot, you know. Yeah, and so a, a fundamental problem is that people really identify themselves with what they happen to believe. How do we? Um, how do we? I, I'm sorry. How do we form these beliefs in the first place? Is it just uh, the way we are raised, or our experiences, or? Well, I mean that's. Oop, we, sorry, that, we got to take a break. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, we're back. I wasn't paying attention to the clock, Richard. It happens. So you we touch we with objective reality. There you go. So <laughs> we form opinions, and then we group ourselves or join a group that we think thinks the same way as we do. So, for example, people who are against abortion, or people who are for gay marriage, or people who are on the right, or people who are on the left, or the independents, or Bernie Sanders people, or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and as you note, there's a lot of variation even within these broad categories like left or right or that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> so you've oh, got sure. a lot of, quote, right people, unquote, who don't think that abortion is wrong, and they think that people should be able to choose whether or not to continue the pregnancy. And yet they would identify themselves as being on the right. <clears throat> They're certainly not on the left. 
they don't believe in the left fiscal policies, for example, but they're more, I don't know, liberal on social policies and that sort of thing. So um, frankly, I find that most of these grouping and clumping terms are pretty useless and they're usually used pejoratively. Hmm. Uh, so you've got somebody saying, well, you can't take him seriously. He's just an ultra right winger or, you know, he's a right wing nut job or that kind of thing. And so it becomes very dismissive where you can say, um, here's a whole huge swath of beliefs that you don't have to take seriously because they're just radically right or they're just radically left. And so it's it's useful from the point of view of clumping and discarding. Um, and frankly, that's one of the biggest problems that we have in society today, uh, this clumping and discarding or this clumping and denigrating. And, and we, be, we as human beings become very passionate about these beliefs that we have. Oh, yeah. I yeah, mean, we absolutely, we identify ourselves according to our set of beliefs. There are people who are ready to kill other people for what they believe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's how far we would go. So oh, we yeah. so we yeah. want to talk a little bit about these, you know. I guess the question is we I mean you always say that we are not what we believe. Well, I think we shouldn't be. Unfortunately, I think most people are. They are so aligned with their beliefs that they have no capacity uh to be intellectually honest. Uh, because if you threaten any of their closely held beliefs, then you're threatening them personally and directly. Uh, and they feel like it's an existential threat. So, for example, if I'm, uh, if I'm, let's say, I don't know why Bernie Sanders is coming into my head today, but uh, <laughs> let's say I'm a Bernie fan, you know what I mean? And I start identifying with his way view of the world and his politics and tax the rich and all of that stuff, you know, let's have the equality and all of that stuff, you know, provide, you know, all of these services. If I start thinking that way and somebody tells me otherwise, I, I, I look at that as an attack on myself, on my person. I don't look at the whole thing just as a thought process. Right, right. Yeah, I, that's, that's the problem. In the U.S. today, I think the reason that we are so polarized, so fragmented, I, I, to, to put it really starkly, I honestly believe that if the U.S. were clumped up in broad categories along geographical lines, like it was in the mid-1800s, we would already be in a bloodletting fighting war right now. Uh, I, I think we're at civil war antipathy it's just that the the two broad clumps are so interleaved geographically uh, that we can't really effectively prosecute a war. Just but a if good we thing. just get, well, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but l let us get all clumped up into large, identifiable geographical groups, and all bets are off. Uh, so. I really, really think that it is critical to the survival of the republic that is the United States of America that we all back up a notch. I mean, all of us and very intentionally and systematically back up and prioritize intellectual honesty above ideology. Um, so so I, I don't know how that happens. 
I, but that's, well, that, what that, that, that's what we want to talk about today, right? I mean, where how do you peel peel off all of the layers of the different beliefs that you have to discover who you really are as a human being? You know, because I mean, I see these guys, you know, and they have a, a, a swastika on their forehead, you know, and they're chanting yeah, that they want yeah. to kill people, you know. How? And I'm thinking, <laughs> how did this person get to that point? Or I see the you know, the Israeli person beating the crap out of a Palestinian, you know, and screaming for them to go and die, you know, or I see a Palestinian throwing a bomb into a, into a synagogue, you know, or whatever, you know, how did people get to that point, you know, where they, their beliefs are so strong about another human being that they are ready to kill them, you know, and, and how do we, I mean, who are you as a human being if you, if you take off if you remove those beliefs that you have about other people and moral morality and what it means to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you're asking, I think, the pressing question. Uh, I, I think the one thing that distinguishes philosophical training from most other training that people engage in uh, is that in philosophical training, intellectual honesty is paramount. Uh, and so what you learn, you know, you were talking about, you think about all the smart people that have been in history uh, and what you learn in philosophical training in part is that whatever you happen to strongly believe, there are very good reasons for not believing that. <laughs> and so what it, what it really deeply instills in you is this sense that you need to be holding the content of your beliefs lightly. Like, I happen to believe such and such now on the basis of the evidence as I have it at this moment, but I could be wrong. And, and that is totally the basis of philosophical thinking is I could be wrong. This is how it seems to me at the moment. I think that I've evaluated the evidence that's available. I think I've interpreted it well. I, I think that... I'm not missing something, but I could be wrong. But what you're describing is hard, isn't it? Oh, it, yeah. It's Unless you're trained in it to where it becomes second nature, then, yeah, it's extremely counterintuitive because, you know, we fundamentally buy into this idea of knowledge is power. We sense that that's true. Knowledge gives us the ability to perceive things and control things and in, in essence have a better life because we know things. The more we know, the more we have control over our own destinies. Um, so coupled with this sense of freedom that we have, free to choose, means having knowledge of what our choices are. Uh, and so knowledge truly is power and we sense this. So we want to know. And even when we can't know, we have this deep, deep intuitive drive to know. And so we will accept faux knowledge, fake knowledge, as opposed to feeling like we don't know. Because if we don't know, we feel helpless. So we'd rather feel like we know, even if we don't know. And the idea of admitting, man, I just don't know. I I'm making my best guess based on what I have in front of me, so, but so, I, I don't sorry, know. Sorry, another break. Yep. You're so fascinating. I totally forget the track of time, Richard. I mean, <laughs> yeah, my right. goodness. 
Uh, you are so hilarious. Here to remind me that, uh, you know, we need to take a break. Uh, but it, have you ever, I mean, I know you met people, for example, you know, I met many people who tell me, uh, I was born a Catholic, I'm a Catholic, I'm going to die a Catholic. You yeah. know? And I'm just yeah. using that yeah. as an example of somebody who doesn't even want to think about what it is that they believe. They just are it, and they're going yeah. to stick yeah. with it, and they don't even want to consider many other options because this is who they are. Yeah. Or at least who they think they are. Well, yeah, to, to me, it's it's a vast mistake. Um, and when I say vast, I, I bold print, you know, block letters, underline, italicize. It's a vast mistake. Uh, what people should be doing is saying who I am is a mode of thought, a mode of assessing evidence. Now, at the moment, that mode has led me to think this particular thing, but I could be wrong. And so I don't identify as this particular set of beliefs. I identify as a particular sort of thinker. And sure, as a particular sort of thinker, I have a set of beliefs, but they are strongly associated with this concept, I could be wrong. This is just how it seems to me at the moment. But does the society go after uh, people who are like that in a sense that if you cannot... Uh... In other words, you end up looking like you can't make up your mind. If you say, no, 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 I'm not advocating any kind of like skepticism or wishy-washiness. I mean, I have strongly held beliefs myself. The point is, I don't identify myself with them. I say there's always this sort of backstop that says, eh, it's not yet too crazy passionate about this because I could be wrong. I don't think I am, but I could be. But this is not radical skepticism. This is not, well, I don't know what to believe. You can't really believe anything. Uh, you know, so I'm really, I'm helpless. I can't move. I can't make decisions because I, I can't believe anything. No, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, in, in essence, I'm saying the opposite of that. I'm saying, yeah, you're going to come to find that you have all kinds of beliefs and you have all kinds of socioeconomic reasons you're raising, the environment that you've been in, there are all kinds of things that produce these beliefs. But at any moment, you can step back and you should and say, how is it that I came to believe this? Why am I so passionate about believing this? Why do I so identify as believing this? And that's when you're finally beginning to be intellectually honest. That's when you're finally starting to say, I could be wrong. So, for example, if I cannot decide, you, you know, between a Republican and a Democratic Party, and I have to vote, and people talk to me and say, hey, you know, you should vote for Trump, and another person says, no, no, you should vote for Biden, and I say, well, you know, I can't make up my mind because uh, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, sometimes what I'm getting at is uh, people from either side will accuse you of being morally almost inferior because you can't see the right side and you can't make up your mind and you're just wavering and i'm thinking to myself do i have to take every side do i have to take a side in every battle that's out there you know what i mean i mean you yeah, got yeah. hindus and muslims you got republicans and and the Democrats, you got Russians and Ukrainians, you got the abortion people, you got, you know, vegans versus meat eaters. I mean, 
do I have to, <laughs> you know what I'm getting at? Is it possible for me to just say, you know, some of these things I really don't care about? Well, yeah, but I mean, I, I think you're saying something more than just I don't care about. Because I think certainly when it comes to politics, for example, you care. You know, you, you have some vested interest in caring who gets elected and the kinds of policies that they're going to implement. Um, the fact that, that you find it to be a lot of gray um, and, and no one side feels obviously right to you is because in this case, no one side is obviously right. And when you're talking about these hyper-partisans, I would say, I think one of the big problems in America that is a symptom of the earlier problems I was talking about is this hyper-partisanship. Uh, so you've got hardcore Democrats that, man, if, if you're not voting Democrat, you're evil. I no, mean, no, no. you if, are morally evil. If you're not voting Biden, you know, f for example, they will. Oh, it gets that fine grain. Yeah. De destroy RFK and Marianne Williamson and oh, anybody yeah, else, yeah. you know, Bernie Sanders was oh, a perfect yeah. example, you know. Well, you've got the same thing on the right where, you know, you've got people saying, look, Trump, Trump, Trump. If, if you if you can't see the light and vote Trump, you know, there's something just wrong with you. Uh, and, and so it's this it's back to this idea of identifying with a set of beliefs so passionately that it defines your entire world. It defines you. And the fact that you look at this spectrum and say, well, but wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I see lots of problems on both sides. I see some good things on the left. I see some good things on the right. Uh, ultimately, I'm going to be forced into what ought to be a false dichotomy, but I don't want it. And I'm not enthusiastic about any of this. Um, well, yeah, you've got the hyperpartisans climbing down your throat over it, but they shouldn't. In my opinion, they should be in the exact same boat you are where they're just looking at it going, wow, these are just terrible choices and they keep getting worse. Our options keep getting worse. Why is that? I mean, we could do a whole radio show on why our options keep getting worse. You know, and this also brings up in my mind the idea of what really is important in life, you know? Yeah. I mean, because you realize that life is short and, you know, People are disappearing that you know um, from cancers and whatnot, you know, and you're wondering what the heck am I fighting for? What what am I investing my time into? You know, um, I don't know. This is uh, so that's why I asked you last time when we you were on the show. You know, how would the person peel off all of the different levels of beliefs that they have acquired over a lifetime, you know, and, and, and how do we discover who we really are deep on the inside? I mean, who we are as a, as a people that, you know, as a person, I mean, I don't know. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, I, I have. I, I think that it's a discipline that most people don't want to engage in either by intuition or by training, which is, as I say, one of the things I think is a huge benefit in the discipline of philosophy is that, it actually systematically trains you to peel back these layers and get to the core of who you are as a thinker, a thinker in its essence, as opposed to the particular content of your beliefs at any given moment. So instead of identifying yourself as what you believe, you identify yourself in terms of how you come to believe things. Mm, okay. And so, 
yeah. So when you identify yourself as a sort of believer, not in terms of the content, but in terms of your belief formation process and how you happen to hold beliefs, that's a game changer. Uh, you know, go back to your example of the Catholic. Uh, it, to me, it, it's, again, a vast mistake because I would want to say, well, look, I'm a Catholic. I'm, first, I'm a philosopher. Then maybe I'm a Christian. And then maybe I'm a Catholic version of being a Christian. But that's the order in which I would peel things off. So I would say, well, Catholicism could be wrong. Maybe that is not an accurate representation of Christianity in its essence. But then let's go to Christianity. Well, Christianity is just one broad swath of religiosity in human history. Maybe it's wrong. Uh, why believe the Bible at all? Why think the Bible has any relevance whatsoever? You start asking more philosophy of religion questions, and maybe you come to conclude, well, Christianity is nothing special. I, I no longer identify as a Christian. But can you cease to identify as a philosopher? Mm. And I would say that's actually impossible. Everybody is doing philosophy all the time. It's just they're mostly doing it very, very badly. And so most people don't even recognize that they are doing philosophy, that they are fundamentally philosophers. And so they do it badly and they don't identify the way they should. Instead, they should start thinking, wow, at core, I am a thinker. I am a philosopher. But I recognize finally that I'm doing it really badly. I need to learn how to do it right. What does I need that to mean? learn how to do it correctly. What does that mean I'm a thinker? Does that mean I evaluate things? What does that mean? By the way, we're going yeah, to have literally, a, it, a break in 30 seconds. Okay, yeah. So in, in a nutshell, it means that I, I am identifying as a mode of processing information. I am a thinker in the sense that I have come to understand both formal and informal fallacies. I avoid those. I think rationally in the strict sense of that term. Um, so, yeah. You're going to have to explain that some more after the break. Okay. All right, folks. We'll be right back. Back in the studio with Dr. Richard Jensen, and who you are explaining, uh, you were just explaining in the last segment uh, about the proper uh, thinking process, if I'm correct. Yeah, so, so we were talking about mode of thinking and what it is to be a philosophical thinker, and, and the it, fact that you were saying every, most people are. Everybody's a philosopher, everybody's a thinker. Yeah, right. But not everyone does it correctly. Not everyone does it according to objectively, identifiably correct modes. And that's what we need so, now, uh, an explanation of. Right. So at core, analytic philosophy is based in logic. It's, it's based in the mode of thought in itself. So for example, if I say, if it's raining, then the streets are wet. It is raining. Therefore, streets are you wet. fill in the conclusion. The streets are wet. And that is a mode of thought that can be identified and named. It's called modus ponens. If P, then Q. P, therefore Q. 
any line of reasoning that is of that form is always valid. The conclusion, anytime those premises are true, the conclusion is necessarily true. So let me give you another example. If the moon is made of green cheese, then all the rats on the moon are extremely well fed. The moon is made of green cheese. Therefore, they are well fed. The rats are well all fed. All the rats on the moon are well fed. And you're going, but wait, wait, that's ridiculous. All the rats on the moon are not well fed. There are no rats on the moon. The moon isn't made of green cheese. What kind of craziness is this? Okay, so this is philosophy. Yeah, okay, why? That's why I dismiss it. Okay, but wait, wait, wait. You're looking at the content. I'm talking about the form. If, in fact, it is the case that the moon is made of green cheese, and if, in fact, it is the case that if the moon is made of green cheese, then all the rats are extremely well, well fed, then indeed, if all those conditions are satisfied, then indeed, all the rats on the moon are extremely well fed. So basically, but notice the, uh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. So, well, so notice that people confuse form and content, but logic, logic is not about the content. Logic is about the relationships between propositions, the logical flow of propositions. And the vast majority of what people argue about, they're not even valid arguments. They're not even intelligible arguments. They engage in so many formal fallacies that it doesn't even matter whether the premises are true or not because the conclusion doesn't follow from the premises, even if the premises were true. So you're saying they're so, using the, yeah. the formula is being used wrong. Yeah, they're not even using correct formulas of thought. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, I could do an entire intro to philosophy class on the radio show, right? I mean, the point is just that the vast majority of quote unquote thinking that's going on out there today and that people believe passionately about isn't even in objectively the correct mode of thinking. It's, it's not even logical. It's not being tested in this way that you're explaining. Yes, yes. It's it doesn't it doesn't rise to the level of even being rational in the philosophical sense. And, and so my point is that because this isn't being taught in schools, because people are not introduced to even what it is to be a fundamentally correct thinker, to be a non-fallacious thinker, we live in fallacies and we believe in fallacies and our entire existence and identification revolves around fallacies. And so, yeah, we're, we're a mess. I mean, why is the society circling the drain? Frankly, it's because we've abandoned philosophy. Uh, we, we just don't care about it anymore. We don't think it's relevant. When and yet did, there when, is nothing more relevant. When did that happen in the historical sense? Well, it's been a long train. I mean, hundreds of years this has been happening. I, I don't think you can take one particular time slice in American history and say, aha, that is when we switched over. Um, it, it's definitely accelerated over the last 40 or 50 years. But the early uh, people were you know. thinking in philosophical terms. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, if, if you look at, uh, you know, the period surrounding the ratification of the Constitution, when the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers were being written, deeply philosophical, de deeply rigorous philosophical thinking on both sides. 
And when I when I teach this stuff to my political science students, you know, they moan and snivel about how difficult it is to read the Federalist Papers and blah, blah, blah. And I respond, I chide them. These were the newspaper articles of the time. <laughs> this is what the average guy on the street was reading. This was the level of thinking and reading comprehension of the average guy on the street back in that era. Do we even have people in the legislature now today who can oh. be thinking in philosophical terms? <laughs> no, I laugh out loud at that one, seriously. Um, I'll tell you what our lawmakers are like today. Our lawmakers today are like people driving in a car and thinking to themselves, man, I don't like that sound. I'm hearing a sound the car is making and I don't like it. Let's pull over and see if we can get rid of this sound. So they pull the car over and they pop the hood and they peer into the engine compartment and it's all just a giant mystery to them. They have no clue what all is going on under the hood. They see wires, they see hoses, they see chunks of metal. They don't know how any of it works together. They don't understand the theory of this engine at all. But they pride themselves in being auto aficionados. And so, of course, they are the ones in the position to manipulate this thing. And so they start yanking out hoses and wires and then they get back into the car and they turn the ignition key and nothing whatsoever happens. And they've totally broken it. But do you know what their response is? They look at each other gleefully and say, ah, see, the noise is gone. We fixed it. <laughs> that is literally the level of our politicians today. And we, the American people, sit around and keep electing these idiots back into office because we ourselves are idiots and don't understand what we're breaking with every single vote. Uh, so I don't know what to say. I'm just so amazed at your eloquence. <laughs> oh, you're so ridiculous, Gordon. <laughs> Man, you are just, you are beyond the pale. Anyways, we're coming to the end of the program. I'm glad in the last minute you got super passionate about what you were saying. But uh, we need to continue with this uh, maybe next week, Richard. Okay. All right, uh, well, folks. Obviously, this is near and dear to my heart. God bless. Bye-bye. Be sure to tune in next time for another unique perspective on your whole person health with your host, Dr. G. And don't forget to share the goodness with friends and family and visit our website at fitpositiveconfident.tv and follow Dr. G on Twitter at Dr. G Fitness. God bless and stay healthy.